Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Monday, October 17th, we are studying Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 to 27. If you were drawing up battle plans to take a heavily fortified city like Jericho, how would you do it? Battering rams? A prolonged siege? The Lord has a different strategy in mind. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Dustin Beck. Pastor Beck serves at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor Beck, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Pastor Apple, it is a joy to see you today. It's always a joy to see you too, Pastor Beck. We're looking at Joshua chapter 6 today. Give us some context in the book of Joshua as we prepare to look at this text. Sure. So Joshua, of course, is uh, going to be the fulfillment in the Old Testament of uh, the last book that we were studying together, Deuteronomy. Uh, This is when Israel is going to get their inheritance, at least uh, in part, of course. It ultimately is going to come through Jesus. But in the context of our study of Joshua, uh, this takes place right on the heels of a couple of major events within the conquest. Um, I mean, just to recap for everybody, uh, they had sent spies. They had met uh, the prostitute Rahab, and she had been faithful uh, and had told them, you know, that if you'll spare me, you know, uh, I'll I'll protect you, I'll hide you. Uh, They had crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. It's almost kind of a... uh, a rehearsal, a a redo of uh, crossing the Red Sea on dry ground 40 years earlier. Um, And so they've entered into the Promised Land, of course, following the Ark of the Covenant, uh, born by the priests. Um, And then they had circumcised those who were born uh, during the wilderness wanderings. Uh, That's kind of a big deal. I I always, that's so interesting to me that they spent an entire generation out there and uh, they had that you know, it's not like that was a rule that was given to them while they were wandering in the wilderness. That goes all the way back to Abraham before they were in slavery in Egypt. And yet here we're told that they hadn't been circumcising their young boys. So everyone gets circumcised. Um, they go uh, into the promised land. They celebrate the Passover for the first time there. Um, and then just before our text today, Joshua has this this really strange conversation uh, with a guy with a drawn sword. We find out it's the commander of the armies of the Lord, of Yahweh. Um, and I love uh, the way that that conversation goes because Joshua says, are you, are you with us or are you with them? And the, the, the man simply responds, no. <laughs> Wrong question. Wrong question. He says, I am the commander of the Lord's army. Um, and so the, the better question there is, are you with the Lord? Like, which team are you on in this, Joshua? Um, and Israel, by extension, are y'all going to be a part of the Lord's army, or are y'all going to wed yourselves to the Canaanites, to the pagans, to the people that want nothing to do with the Lord? So uh, we see in our text today, uh, well, the answer, at least in the moment, that Joshua and Israel give, uh, will they prove faithful to the Lord? Um We'll see that it's a yes in this chapter. 
Yeah, this is one of the highlights of the book of Joshua, perhaps the most famous account in the book of Joshua. Oh, I think so, yeah. I think so. They've written songs about this one. That's right, that's right. They don't write songs about the sin of Achan that's coming up in chapter 7. No, that would be a good one, though. Maybe so. (laughs) We'll we'll work on that one. Yes. You you taught Old Testament last year at Faith Faith Lutheran High School. School. Did did anyone do a diorama of Joshua chapter 6? Yeah, no, they didn't. That's too bad. Um, I... I don't think that that was so. We did uh, we did a a Torah building project, and so I didn't okay. limit it to the first five books. But the examples that I gave them, I told them they could submit another one, uh, but nobody suggested the falling of the walls of Jericho. So, yeah, but we had some we had some really good one burning bushes that nice. Uh, you know, lit up and everything like that. But didn't burn up. But didn't burn up, yes. Yeah, it was it was good. Well, this is certainly one of the more memorable <laughs> scenes. If if you were going to go outside of the books of Moses, I'm right. sure this one would show up. Absolutely. So we've got the, the fall of Jericho to discuss today. Let's start reading the text. We're in Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every one straight before him. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, The seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord, went forward, blowing the trumpets, with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the Ark, while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth, until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout." So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp So they did for six days. All right, that takes us through verse 14. We'll pause there. We've got the first six days of this battle, although it's not much of a battle at this point, it would seem. So, Pastor Beck, where where do you want to start with this this text? Right. So, I mean, what you get from the start is almost a continuation. I don't think it's wrong to read this as a continuation of where we left off in the last chapter. Um, He's talking, uh, Joshua is talking with the commander of the Lord's army, and the last thing that he says to him there is, you know, you should be sure and take off your shoes because the place where you are standing is holy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can only think of one other person that really says that all the time. Yeah, there's only one other person that would say such a thing. I think so. Yeah. Right? This Um, is reminiscent of Moses and the burning bush. Yeah. 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 And so Joshua is having his own 
dare I say, burning bush moment, um, which says, hey, listen, you need to acknowledge, you need to, um, to re- recognize um, whose presence you are actually in right now, um, and then act accordingly. And that's what Joshua does. And it says, and Joshua did so. But then in verse two of chapter six, and Yahweh said to Joshua, I mean, I think this is the a continuation perhaps of that conversation, if not a continuation, the very same voice, mm. right? Um, and then uh, it starts off with this word of provision that says, look, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and all of its mighty men of valor. So God starts off with the, you know, the battle is already won. Um, you don't have to fear. Okay, um, fear not and be courageous. All of the all of the good Joshua kind of imagery here. Yeah, that's right. So if I if I can just yeah, briefly with in. the with the connection between chapter five and six, sure. if we're trying to picture this scene in our mind here, we should perhaps and maybe even likely think of Joshua still talking to this man with the drawn sword. Oh, I think so. In yeah. chapter six, yeah. which which would reinforce what we talked about in the previous text that the one who is this commander of the Lord's army is actually the Lord himself. Yeah. And I think we would maybe even be more specific that this is the son of God, the second person of the Trinity prior to his incarnation. Right. As Paul says in Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God. So well, when God shows up in the Old Testament, it is, it is a faithful reading of the text to understand that he shows up as that image of the invisible God, as the pre-incarnate second person of the Trinity. We call him Jesus. Um, and so that's, uh, that's a, a beautiful kind of thread that runs throughout all of the Old Testament is that when God shows up, when God speaks, uh, we can understand, we can acknowledge that that is that is Jesus right that this is the way that God makes himself known to his creation this is the way that God has chosen to deal with his creation which is just beautiful because it's the same for us in the New Testament just um, Jesus takes on flesh he becomes tangible he becomes that uh, that image that you can see that you can uh, that you can touch that you can be in the room with um, and now as he dwells you know by the power of the Holy Spirit with us so now we have that tangible uh, touchable, tasteable body and blood of Christ given in the sacrament each Sunday. So the Lord is talking to Joshua. Indeed. And he gives him these instructions. First, he comforts him. He encourages him. As you said, it's not the exact same words, but the same idea as chapter one, be strong and courageous. I've given the city into your hands. Yeah. It seems like Jericho still recognizes that just from the first verse. Right. We, we heard from them earlier in chapter two before the spies went in and from the lips of Rahab that yeah. everyone was afraid of Israel. And it seems like the fear has only grown at this yeah point. absolutely I mean the fact that they are uh, that they are shut up in this uh, this city and they don't want anybody to get in I mean that's why they're searching for the spies and everything like that um, it really does uh, sort of show you by their actions and I mean the text here says that they were uh, they were shut up uh, because of the people of Israel uh, that there is a great fear um, uh, about this people and I mean you know there have been some that have estimated that Israel's marching around maybe as many as two million people I've been I've read um, and that's that's a big group of people. Yeah. You know, that's a large city uh, that's marching around, heading towards you know your city. Um, and some of the some of the um, the guesstimates that I saw said that the city of Jericho might have been maybe a mile, a mile and a half in diameter. So it's not a huge city by our standards. Uh, but in the ancient world, I mean, to have a city that was about that big and to have it surrounded by a wall that was as substantial as Jericho uh, was, I mean, uh, the walls wide enough that a chariot could, uh, could ri- uh, drive on them. I mean, this is a big, 
uh, impregnable city that they should have been in a place where they felt like, I mean, we're okay. Um, of course, in the ancient world, uh, everyone had uh, fear of being besieged. Mm-hmm. If they actually surround us, which is kind of what it looks like they're going to do, well, they're walking in a circle around us. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's not really what they do. They don't lay up siege works. Like you right. said in the intro, they're not setting up catapults. They're not putting up, you know, the towers that you climb up and everything like that. They're just going to walk around in a circle. Um, and then they go back to their camp. <laughs> and so I think there's got to be you know, uh, confusion. I think so. I think so. This is just the strangest thing I've ever seen. This is not how you win a battle. That's right. That's right. What are they doing? Yeah, I mean, you know, that first verse that describes Jericho, it doesn't, I suppose it doesn't actually say their attitude in doing so. Sure. But given what we did read in chapter two and just the, the strangeness of what's happening in this text with the army of Israel, yeah, I mean, confusion, maybe... I, it's hard to hard to put yourself there. They they got to be right. looking out like what are what are they doing? What is going on? And and yet at the same time, I would imagine there's some in Jericho who are who are thinking to themselves, we're we're okay here. You know, no one's going mm-hmm. in, no one's coming out. The gates are shut. They're not setting up any siege works. So maybe it's going to be okay. You know, yeah. it, it's hard to kind of put yourself there. But that maybe some of those are the things going on in in the minds of Jericho. Right, right. And I I wonder if. I wonder if there is sort of an intimidation factor sure. when they're walking in the, you know, walking the, the, the loop of the city, you know, day after day. Well, are they just going to do this forever? Are they going to just wait us out? Right. You know, what gives? I mean, we've been doing this for over, you know, almost a week now. Um, it's, it's interesting to me. I'll just put it that way. It's interesting that this is the way that God uh, chooses to ask Israel um, to fight this battle because they're not fighting until it's time for them to fight. Um, I do want to point out, and this is something I've probably pointed out on, on your show before, uh, but I love the way that every time that God gives directions to Moses, let's say he's going to build the tabernacle, or let's say he's going to build the ark, or you know this, that, or the other, um, when God gives him the directions, it is very specific, and then the very next paragraph says, and Moses did just as the Lord had said, and then it delineates, and it has the exact same words, but instead of God saying, you shall build it this way, it said, and he built it that way. And I think that specificity is to remind us that these people are, they're, um, well, they're, they're listening to God's word. They're taking God's word for what it is. They're trusting in it, and they're acting um, in accordance with it. That's something that is very important for us. We should be hanging on the word of God uh, as well on each and every syllable uh, of, of the words that fall from the mouth of God. So we see the faithfulness of Israel right there. Um, and then ultimately what we're going to see in this text um, is we are going to see the judgment of those who dwell in Jericho. We're going to see um, the judgment of God. Um, sometimes God delays his judgment. Right. Um, And that's why, you know, people uh, sometimes even in our churches, they cry out how long. I mean, a a few weeks back we had uh, the book of Habakkuk. Right. right. Um, Only shows up once in the three year lectionary. And you know what? I preached on it. Good job. It was a lot of fun. It is. I love Habakkuk because he says, God, I've got a complaint. You know, your people are being faithless. There's no justice being executed. Um, You know, it seems like you're not you're not showing up. And God's answer is like, well, I'm going to show up and I'm going to bring in the Babylonians are going to carry him off into exile. And Habakkuk has another complaint. And he says, I don't like that answer, God. That's That's even worse. (laughs) Exactly. And then God's second answer is like, oh, no, it's happening and it's going to happen sooner than you think. Yeah. But so this idea of justice that's perverted of, you know, um, 
of faithlessness. That's what we see uh, in the people of Jericho. Um, and we're going to see that there are times when, yeah, God is, uh, he is patient in his judgment. And then there are times when God meets out that judgment. Um, and that's what the people of Jericho experience uh, in the last half of our text. But we're not there yet. We're still walking around in circles. That's right. We're still walking around in circles. Oh, yeah. uh, and so we've, we've noted, and I, as you noted, I said this in my introduction, that this is, sure. is an odd battle plan. Yeah. One of the, the central features, though, and not just the walking around, but the central feature of the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. that's, that's the leader yet again, which you mentioned uh, in the context about the crossing of the Jordan River. Right. And there the Ark was what led the people across. So the Lord's doing the leading. I think, you know, with as strange as the marching may seem to us, the fact that they're the ark is leading, that the Lord is leading, that's one of the key features that Israel is to take from this. Right, and that's that's something that, I mean, maybe they didn't see it in exactly the same terms in the wilderness wanderings, right? They're following the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, and then the pillar of cloud comes to rest in the place, and that's where they set up the tabernacle uh, with the ark inside of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the they're supposed to be led by God. They're supposed to be going into the places that he will lead them. Because if you go the places that God will lead you, um, everything is actually going to work out according to his purpose, according to his will, according to his promise. Um, yeah, so that's that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that combined with the strangeness of it, and as you were saying, the pattern that we've seen so far in the book of Joshua, yeah. that the Lord speaks to Joshua Joshua speaks that faithfully to the people, and then the people faithfully do it. That sure. that pattern is a, a it's a refreshing picture from <laughs> Israel compared to what we normally think of yeah. when we think of the people of Israel. You know, they wandered in the wilderness, and there was constantly grumbling. And oh, we yeah. know after Joshua dies, during the period of Judges, there's this cycle of unfaithfulness. The period of the the kings after there's there's always unfaithfulness, and and to see the the faithfulness here. Yeah. Is such a refreshing picture and a, a wonderful reminder of how things well, how well things go for mm. the people of God yeah. when they listen to His Word, even when it's as strange as walking around a city for right. seven days. You know, Joshua is such an interesting book because it does contain, you know, I would say a bright and shining moment, right? Like this, because I mean, the book of Joshua, you know, you know that chapter seven comes after right. chapter six, right? I don't want to spoil it, but all of the great stuff from chapter six, it doesn't get undone in chapter seven, but you definitely see that things don't go as well as they could have gone or should have gone. Um, and so it's a bright moment in the book of Joshua. But Joshua itself, I mean, it's a book about the conquest, uh, but one of the tragedies in the book is that they're not going to finish the conquest, right? And wherever, um, I'll, I'll just say it this way, wherever the cancer of uh, idolatry is allowed to remain by Israel, um, it is going to fester, and it is ultimately going to work its way through, as you said, in the judges and throughout the kings and, you know, all of that. Israel still has a problem because they haven't gotten it all. Like, the, the mission of Joshua is not a mission that gets accomplished, which is why we need a new and greater Joshua, which is why Jesus comes. Uh, he comes to be the one who uh, you know, kind of nails the final nail in the coffin of um of the idolatry and the faithlessness um, and all of that uh, that comes with the pagan disbelief. So 
Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay, so take us into this scene uh, and just make sure we understand what is happening. And this right. is one of those texts I think we were talking beforehand that everybody knows the Battle of Jericho, but but maybe we need a reminder of the details. So what is the plan that the Lord lays out for his people to accomplish? So the plan is pretty simple. You get your camp. It's off a little bit distant from the city, right? You're going to march out. Uh, it doesn't say uh, whether they're marching two by two, single file. I, I, he doesn't doesn't indicate that, uh, but it sure does seem to indicate that you've got, if not all of Israel, you've got the vast majority of them. Uh, you've got this great nation of people, um, and they are going to follow behind. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, you've got the Ark of the Covenant being borne by the priests. Uh, you've got seven priests that are carrying these ram's horn trumpets. Uh, I've still got to get me one of those. You, you need one, definitely. I do. Wouldn't that look good? That's right. It'd look good in the office. Just hang it up. Okay, um, but so what's going to happen is they're going to march around. You've got the the mighty men of valor of of Israel here. Um, they're going to go alongside, uh, before and behind uh, the ark, um, and they're going to go around. They're going to march around the city one time. Okay, the armed men will pass on before the ark. That's what it says in verse seven. Okay, um, and then yeah, here are the priests. Uh, they are going to blow these trumpets uh, each and every day. Uh, but they're going to do that. They're going to circle the city, and then it sort of kind of dies out with a whimper, yeah. right? Well, nothing cool happened. They go back to the camp. They sleep that night. They get up the next day, do the very same thing, right? Um, they're going to do that for six days, which is, again, maybe not exactly the way that we would plan out this battle. Um, I'm sure the folks in Jericho were... Um, did you ever watch the, the Veggie Tales? cartoons probably at some point yeah there were um uh, they had a, like a castle and then you had some vegetables that were in the castle i believe and vegetables that were outside i think one of them might have been a fruit maybe a tomato wow i don't know but anyways they were i just remember uh, uh, very vividly as a child seeing those uh, and the the ones that were up in the in the walls of the castle they are shouting at the ones that are down there like you know you know, walk around this as many times as you want. You're not going to knock down our walls. What are you hoping to, like, erode away the dirt next to it? How is this ever going to work? Um, and so maybe, you know, in in the midst of, yes, uh, confusion, perhaps some fear, I mean, maybe they're they're mocking them. You know, this is, mm-hmm. this is the great people of Israel. They struggle, you know, uh, Israel struggles with God. I mean, these, these are the people whose God has brought them out of the house of Pharaoh, out of Egypt, mighty Pharaoh. Uh, they've overthrown these kings out in the wilderness, you know, and their wanderings. And this is, this is the best you got. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So maybe a little, maybe a little bit of chiding going on. I don't know. We're, we're reading between the lines well, here, but I think I mean, it's fun. Well, I think there's, there's perhaps something to that thinking about the days of Noah and, you know, oh, I mean, yeah. Noah is someone who builds an ark when it's not raining. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and the mockery that he surely faced, even yeah. as he was a, a preacher of righteousness. And granted, there's, there's not the preaching happening at this point, because as, as you mentioned, it's time for judgment. Right. And the fact that they're silent is even a stronger sign of the judgment, I think. I, th- I think that's a testimony against them. But the fact that preaching's I mean, done with, with with what is happening, I think to imagine the mockery of the people of Jericho is not far off. Yeah. Especially, you know, maybe the first day they're like, "Oh, this is this is not good," but then nothing happens. Day two, same thing. Day three, I mean, by day four or five, they're 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 mocking. I, oh, yeah. look, they're walking in circles again. Yeah, yeah. There they go again. What's what's going on? Your God is not so mighty. Yeah. yeah. I don't, the the seven day aspect of of the whole thing. Sure. Six days 
there's one time and then seven on the seventh, as we will see in, in on the other side of the break. I, I wonder if there's something going on there with the the mm. aspect of a new creation, or or, a, or maybe take it this way, kind of an anti-rest. Yeah, because at least Jericho, for Jericho, yeah, they've got six days of unholy rest there outside of faith in God, um, and on the seventh day, which for God's people is a day of rest, right? right? God's people are not they're not going to lift a finger to knock down that wall. Right, uh, they're going to simply abide in God's word, and then on the seventh day, yes, the walls are coming down. I mean, there's a little bit of work left to do, but that's just being the judgment arm of God uh, on His behalf. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting, interesting uh, kind of idea to think about the seven days. The seventh being a little different. Yeah, well, and with the we talked a little bit about this in chapter four, I suppose chapter three as well, with the crossing of the Jordan River. Yeah. They walk across on dry ground, which has the connection to the Exodus, as you mentioned, and, and a connection back to the creation account as yeah. well, where the Lord separates the water from the dry ground. Sure. And how the the entry into the promised land is a, a moment of new creation, new birth right. of, of a sense. So for for the people of God, this is a moment of new life, of rest. The writer of Hebrews brings up that Joshua gave them a rest Absolutely. that was fulfilled in Christ. But now for the people of Jericho, an, an anti-rest. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the right term is, but that they, when you're not a part of the people of God, you do not receive the rest, but you receive the judgment. It's a striking contrast, I think. I think it is as well. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what else to do about that, mm. but I think there, there may be more there. I don't know. I mean, you know, just in terms of, you know, to, to the average listener, you know, the, uh, if you've just tuned in with us today or things, I mean, chapters, uh, not chapter, but uh, the number seven, like, I mean, the Bible does some interesting things with numbers, you know, and the fact that creation itself um, it consists of uh, a day of, or a week rather, of seven days um, in which it is very explicitly stated, and there was evening and there was morning, the first day. And there was evening, you know, the second day. This, this idea of the fact that God um, is partial to that number, that always kind of stands out to me. Anytime, you know, that we're reading through the Bible and I hear there's seven of something, it's like, well, God likes the number seven. Yeah. Right. Um, there's something beautiful about that. I mean, uh, looking all the way to, uh, you know, in the book of Revelation, seven shows up. I mean, you've got the, the lampstands that have the seven uh, lamps on it and everything like that. I mean, it's uh, that's built into the tabernacle, into the temple and then in Revelation. Um, so there is something to this that just kind of is one more reminder of the fact that. God's fingerprints are on this. Like yeah. this is this is the Lord's doing. He's the one that's directing all of this, and so we sh- shouldn't be surprised when that's the way that He chooses to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think what you're saying about this is the Lord's doing for the people of Israel having yeah. the seven days of the marching should be a reminder. Oh, the Lord is the one who created us. He's the one who redeemed us. Yeah. He's going to be the one now to deliver this city and this land into our hands. So. We'll keep talking about this on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking Joshua 6 with Pastor Dustin Beck. We'll be right back. Please stick around.
Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, October 17th. We're studying Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 to 27 with Pastor Dustin Beck. He serves at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor Beck, prior to the break, we looked at the first part of the text. The people of Israel now have followed the Lord's instructions on the first six days of this week. They've marched around once each time. They have not shouted. Trumpets have been blowing. The ark has been leading them. They've done it for six days. Now we reach the seventh day. We pick up the text again in verse 15 of Joshua chapter 6. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house, and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her, as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in, and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her Joshua saved alive, and she has lived in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds the city Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. That's the rest of our text for today. That takes us through the end of Joshua chapter 6. All right, so we're on day 7 to get started here, Pastor Beck. What do we need to see? 
So we need to see that Joshua is going to give very specific instructions to the people. He's going to walk right through it with them. Um, They're going to march around the city seven times. And then uh, very clearly, uh, it points out the fact that this is the, uh, they marched around the city in the same manners. And this is the only day that they marched around the city seven times. (laughs) So they add that little detail in there just in case you weren't paying attention last paragraph, right? That today's different. Something different is going to happen. Now, I mean, if you're inside the walls of Jericho and, you know, maybe you've gotten used to them. Oh, they're doing their daily, you know, calisthenics. They're getting out and walking around the city. It's their 5K. They're doing their 5K. You got to do a 5K. It's fun. Um, You know, but then all of a sudden, are they still out there? Did they get a late start today? No, they've been out there for a while. You know, this is the other uh, thing that, um, you know, you look at uh, footnotes and study Bibles and stuff, and it's like the fact that they were able to walk around the place seven times in one day, and this is not where Joshua asks God to make the sun stand still so they got more time to kill the bad guys. Yeah, so uh, it kind of tells us maybe not. you're not thinking of a, a St. Louis metropolitan area that they're walking all the way around. It does say they rose early this day uh, they at had the dawn to, yeah. of the day. So, which that that struck me when I was reading it that they got up early. It's the dawn of the day. I know this is the seventh day of the week and not the first day of the week. But yeah. anytime I see people getting up early in the Bible, I, the I usually morning. think good things are going to happen. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, that's right. That's Sorry, right. I try to get up before five every day. Uh, that's 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 before breakfast. That's, that's <laughs> too early. Keep, that's what, keep that's going. When you run the five Ks. <laughs> okay, <things>. so, <laughs> so they them. they ran the five Ks. I'm sure they posted their stats to social media after they were done. Was that a dig? Right? No, no. Dig? You're not the only one that does that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it doesn't count if you don't post it. That's right. No, I'm just jealous. Unless you're I, uh, I can't Israel. run that far. Unless you're Israel. So these guys, uh, they get going, right? Uh, they go around seven times. And then Joshua, again, like I said, he gives very specific instructions. Shout for Yahweh has given you the city. Okay. Um, now we got to talk about this, this concept of uh, the city and all that is within it shall be devoted yeah. to Yahweh for destruction. It shall be harem in, uh, in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew. This is a pretty important concept. Joshua speaks about it at length. Here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so basically uh, what this means is that um, the stuff that you're going to go in here, the stuff is so polluted by idolatry, by uh, faithlessness, that um, it is receiving its judgment right here and right now. And the judgment is this this is God's. This goes to God. Um, he deals with that. Um, and so the way that you meet that judgment out is that um, the men, the women, the children, um, everything is put to death. Is um, They're even going to burn the city down. It's all going away. The only things uh, that are being kept um, are the silver, the gold, the vessels of bronze and iron. Um, and he says those are to be set aside into the treasury of uh, Yahweh. And he sets those aside um, for uh, the future uh, building of the temple. I mean, uh, you know, Solomon is over there, and he's, he's going to be building the temple one of these days. Um, and what kinds of things do you think they're melting down? Well, they're melting down all of this stuff that was idolatrous, all of this stuff that um, was, was not good, uh, not used well, I should say. It was used for wrong purposes. Uh, but the lives um, and the livelihoods, all of the stuff that's in the city, um, that's of no value whatsoever uh, to you. Well, it's of no value because God has placed a judgment upon it. Mm. Well, and this is—I mean, this is a key point to keep in mind. You already mentioned what happens in the next chapter. Yeah. That this command is disobeyed by one in particular. Right. And when you look at what he takes, it—it it was you know a significant amount, but not a ton. And yet, right. 
because they did not follow the word of the Lord, it becomes a, a very important thing for the people of Israel. So this is this is an important thing. I appreciate within this chapter, as difficult as a, a concept as Karim might be, you said it better than I did, um, as, as difficult as a concept that, like that it's might be. the allergies. Be, that it really helps. It. That's the, right. Back of the throat. <laughs> the fact that Rahab is singled out more than yeah, once in this is right. a, a wonderful reminder of God's proper work even in the midst of his his alien work that he desires we're to gonna, save. Yeah, we're going to have to de- define those terms. That's probably. why I said them so that you can define them. Yeah, so God's proper work, um, and these these are technical terms. Uh, we're not saying that God is an alien or something like right. that. That's a different thing. Um, I don't even know what that is. Uh, but the proper work is the thing that God does of his uh, of his nature, of his essence. This What it is for him to be God um, is to be the God who blesses. Um, this is who he is, right? Um, how does how does John put it in First John? God is love, and so God shows up, and this is this is the way that his um, th- you could you could kind of think of it like this. This is God's default, right? Um, is to bless, right? Um, Pastor Apple, did you ever play baseball? Occasionally, yes. Occasionally, yes. Um, did you? Uh, I'm betting you batted right-handed. I am a righty. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm the. I'm the, not like the cool side. Well. Yeah. I'm the I'm the strange guy that uh-huh. I throw left-handed, but because my dad didn't know how to teach me to bat right uh, left-handed, <laughs> I bat right-handed. Right. Okay, uh, but when I was playing uh, in in middle school, you know, um, little league stuff, they you know they said, you know what, let's see what happens when you bat on the other side of the plate, right? And I'll put it this way: I struck out a lot more, <laughs> but when I got a hit, it was always a double or a triple. Yeah. So there was something there, but like, so my proper side, because that was the way it had been ingrained to me, was to bat right-handed, even though I'm left-handed. Uh, but then my alien side was to step over to the other side. And if I needed to do it, if they wanted, because of the pitcher matchup or because where runners were and everything like that, we can make that happen. That was a bad analogy, but maybe it got the point across. So God's proper work is to have mercy, is to show forth his love. God's alien work um, is when he has to do the thing when people say no thank you to his proper work, when they don't want to uh, to receive his love, when they uh, have broken faith. We keep talking about the faithless people of Jericho, right? I mean, this goes all the way back to, I mean, like when Abraham was walking the earth, right? All of these other people, they, I mean, there are some in Abraham's household that are brought into the kingdom of God, you know, but... There are those on the outside that want nothing to do with this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so now the judgment uh, has come to them. Uh, why does the judgment come to Jericho on that particular day? I mean, that's that's up to God. Yeah, that's God right. decides when he is going to judge and how he is going to judge. We don't get to decide that because we're not God. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, Rahab uh, is that, um, again, we talk about, you know, like a, a bright and shining moment in the book of, uh, of Joshua. Uh, chapter 6, so also a bright and shining individual, and we didn't say family, um, in the book of Joshua is Rahab. She's yeah. the one who, you know, uh, surprises us all and winds up not only um, fleers, uh, being saved from the day of judgment for Jericho, not only being added among the people of Israel, um, but she is even in the line of Jesus. Right. Yeah, right. in the first chapter of Matthew, when he's rattling off, you know, who begat whom and everything else, um, right there is is the name Rahab, um, that she was part of this whole story. And she's recounted again, you mentioned the uh, writer of the Hebrews. It talks about the, uh, the faith that she had, um, and the, it's Rahab's faith in God, in Yahweh, and his promises um, that 
put him in a position where she receives that proper work. Yeah. Right. Um, least expected person, you know, a, a prostitute, a woman of ill repute, um, and yet grafted in not just to the kingdom and reign of God, but grafted into the very family of Jesus. Um, we got to talk about Hebrews uh, 11 real quick as well, because what is ultimately going to happen here, everybody knew when they saw we were in Joshua 6 this morning, oh, the walls are coming down, right? Yeah. But that detail right around when uh, when the writer of the Hebrews talks about Rahab by faith, you know, she protected and hid the spies. It talks about, it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. I think that's the way the song that's, goes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But so there's faith involved here, and it's the faith of the people of Israel, which is a wavering, unsteady faith at times, and yet their faith is blessed by God such that he will do his proper work for them of giving them the inheritance that he promised to their forefathers, to Abraham and uh, Isaac and to, to Jacob. He's giving that to them in his proper work, even as he is executing his alien work of meeting out judgment upon the faithless. Yeah, well, and the thing about Rahab in the middle of all that, we were talking about what's going on in Jericho this whole time, and, and yeah. you don't know everything, but you do know that Rahab is is busy or has been busy gathering her family into her house yeah. because she knows that that is where she needs to be and her family needs to be in order to be saved. And so, I, you know, this may be imagining too far, but perhaps there are conversations happening between Rahab and her family and others that, you know, during these six days where they're marching around silently and, and the people are wondering what's going on, yeah. perhaps there are some conversations happening. This is what's going on. And if you want to be safe, here's the place, yeah. you know, here's, here's the God, because Rahab gave a fantastic confession of who God was in chapter two. Oh, absolutely. Here's the God who's on the side of Israel or, or better, whose side Israel is on. There you go. And, you can be on his side too. I mean, you know, that's <laughs> like, come and see, you know, that, that same yeah, kind of invitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to, to see how the Lord saved, I think I, we use this phrase when we studied Joshua too, that he saved Rahab in the 11th hour. Yeah. You know, so, so even now, and again, it's not recorded for us, so this is speculation, but even now until this seventh day, it's not too late for the city of Jericho until sure. that judgment actually comes. And I, I, that's why I appreciate hearing about Rahab in the midst of this judgment. Right. The fact that she's in the midst. And again, I mean, you know, there, there is a, a little bit of speculation, a little bit of reading between the lines, uh, because you contrast, um, you know, that maybe Rahab is in the house. Maybe she is, uh, as she's drawing people in, she's bringing them into the kingdom through uh, this this proclamation. Uh, but at the same time, you don't get that proclamation from Israel. That was one of the details right. we highlighted before the break, was right. that as they're walking around, they're not making a peep. Right. They're not proclaiming, you know, repent before we knock, you know, before our God knocks right. down this wall. I mean, uh, doesn't, doesn't, um, well, he doesn't give an opportunity for repentance, but David talks a big game right before he knocks out Goliath, right? Yeah. It's not me. That's right. But it's the God I serve. Check this out. Yeah. I do my own sound effects. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's good for That's radio. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great <laughs> when I write a book or something one day. <laughs> Are you working on a book? No, goodness, okay. no. Okay. You're uh, working on everything else. I'm staying busy. Okay, where where are we in the text right now? Uh, right, so smack dab. Great the, conversation. We've talked I'm about we're talking. We've talked about the the matter of devoted to destruction, harem yes. in the Hebrew. We've talked a little bit about Rahab and those with her in the house. Let, let's get to the main event. The people shout go. in verse twenty. What they happens? Sure do. Um, and then, as you probably all suspected, the wall fell down flat. Hmm. Um, which uh, a text note that I saw 
indicated that it's not necessarily that it like fell over, mm-hmm. but that it just collapsed under itself. So like a an implosion. Like an implosion, yeah. If you've ever seen in a in a major city where they they detonate the the thing from the inside and then it just like comes straight down. I mean, what an incredible thing that must have been to see, mm, right? Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I, I always comment on when I'm talking about uh, the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness, because remember, it's the it's the ones that did not get to see the plagues in Egypt that are receiving the promised land. It's the ones that didn't cross through the, the dry uh, red uh, sea on dry ground, or maybe they were held in their in their parents arms as they crossed over. Right. But. They've been walking by faith with some degree of success, some degree of failure, but now they're actually getting to see that. I mean, they've crossed through the Jordan River, right? Um, They're actually seeing God show up for his people, um, which it's such an interesting uh, uh, back and forth. You mentioned I'm teaching, uh, well, New Testament this year at Faith High School. Um, That question, is seeing, believing, um, it kind of rattles back and forth when you see people who, you know... um, they don't necessarily see Jesus, um, but they believe in him nonetheless. Um, it's the same here uh, for God's people, Israel, is that there's a there's an interplay. There's a back and forth between seeing, between believing. Maybe sometimes when you see um, and you don't have that need for that trusting faith because, well, I've, I've, I've seen it. I, I know for myself. Well, you get a little bit full of yourself, and I that means I don't have to trust anymore or something. I mean, maybe that's what we see in chapter 7 is the Israelites think, ah, we figured out the, we figured out the, the mechanism by which we topple down the, 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 the walls of the cities, so let's go on to AI. That's how I always pronounce it. That's how I say it, too. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So let's go on to there, and we'll just start marching around in circles, or we'll figure this out, or as long as we take the ark with us, everything's going to be great. I mean, but if you're not following God and his will, you're going to find things don't go great. Yeah, so back to the text again. We keep getting off the text. That's my fault. No, that's okay. But I mean, I think what what you said is helpful, because in in this chapter, there is faith that does come before sight. Yeah. That was the whole first part of the the chapter. You know, I mean— what do you mean we're going to walk around the city this many times? Shouldn't we it's draw a terrible our swords? Plan. I'm out. Yeah. No, the, they <laughs> they trust, and it is that that you know you mentioned the text from Habakkuk. I think the gospel reading that week was part of it was Jesus in Luke 17 saying faith like a mustard seed. Yeah. You know that 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 moves a mulberry tree into the ocean. Yeah, exactly. I mean this is this is faith at its best that didn't see but yet believed, and because it's got the promise of God backing it, it happens, and right. the the walls fall flat. I like the idea of an implosion. I think that maybe emphasizes that this is divine activity and not, yeah. say, like a really strong wind exactly. or an earthquake or exactly. something like that. Which is, I mean, that's an interesting thing because when they crossed the Jordan River, yeah. we're told that a, a strong wind came upon it. So God can, and he certainly does, yeah. work through the the means of creation to bring about his will. But he can also just, I mean, he doesn't even have to snap his fingers. He just, it happens because he wills it to be so. And so we see uh, God working um, in times um, immediately, that is working through the mediation of creation. He uh, appoints something to do this or that thing. And then other times he works immediately, not through the means of creation itself. He just says, you know, sorry, wall, you're not as sturdy as you used to be. Right. And then the thing just topples down. Falls flat. Um, so next is, and this is, I, I mean, I, have y'all have y'all talked about this uh, much? Uh, the idea of um, like Joshua kind of makes me uncomfortable sometimes. Not the person, right? But the book, because of the violence. Mm. Because I mean, because 
as you get into the book of Joshua, you see that, I mean, what happens right after the walls come tumbling down? Well, then the people went into the city, every man straight ahead of him, and they captured the city, and then they devoted all in the city to destruction, men and women, young and old, all of the livestock. And how did they do that? Well, with the edge of the sword. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's it's gruesome in a way. It's, I, I don't want to say barbaric, but it's not the way that we think of. Um, we have maybe a more tidy idea of battles and warfare and things like that. But this reminds us um, of the fact that uh, the judgment of God, um, it comes at people, right? Um, judgment is waiting uh, for, on, uh, for the faithless uh, on the last day when Jesus comes again in glory. Uh, but then there are times uh, when that temporal judgment um, actually walks its way back through, uh, through time and actually meets uh, someone. And I think that that's just, uh, like I said, I, I don't know, I don't know that I was necessarily going anywhere with that, but just the fact that sometimes our, our readers, our, our listeners, uh, they, they may just kind of reel at the violence of Joshua. And I think that that's something that it's good to at least acknowledge that this may not be your favorite book because of mm. the fighting. I mean, some, you know, like, I mean, I know a lot of like young men that are like, sure. I like Joshua because it's a military book. It's like, here's go do the tactics, go, you know, win the battle, you know? But, um, I, I completely understand. And I sympathize with the fact that this is, this can be hard material to read because you see the faithful people of God going out and we would, we would, you know, we classify this. This is not murder. This is not right. the, uh, intentional taking of innocent life, but instead, um, this is a holy war in a way. This right. is God saying, go and do that thing. And because God said, go and do that thing. I mean, he doesn't stay their hand. Right. Well, not to use a, a term you used earlier, this would be God working immediately exactly. through the people of Israel yes. to execute his judgment so that right. what happens by the sword by the edge of the sword of Israel is actually the Lord himself executing this is, judgment this is through working. the means of his yeah. people. Right, right. Uh, take us into the—we've got about six minutes here, Pastor Beck. So give us the, the last parts of this text. We, we see that Rahab is, in fact, delivered, as was yeah, promised. Yeah, we hear the, kind of the, the rescue mission. Yeah. Like, they go in to make sure that—and uh, it's, it's specifically the two guys that had gone in and spied out the land. They go to make sure that Rahab and her family are okay. Um, they are. Uh, they make sure that they bring her out. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's that, that detail— uh, that they that they give in verse twenty five um, that uh, Joshua saved them alive and she has lived in Israel to this day. Yeah, that always used to just like jump off the page to me as like to this day. Well, I mean, obviously it's to the day that the book of Joshua is written, right? right? It's to when this is proclaimed. Uh, very likely, uh, this uh, you know proclaimed around the time of Joshua's death as sort of like his his looking back over the conquest and everything. Uh, but to this day, um, I mean, that implies that. There is a place in God's kingdom among God's people for anybody, right? What a great uh, glimmer of, of hope in the midst of a bloody battlefield, in the midst of a, a city that's being burned to the ground, nothing left, total loss, um, except for the things that God has stipulated and then this one faithful family. Let me let me talk a little bit about that because sure. I just want to make so she's sure. lived in Israel to this day. This is a, a phrase that we see elsewhere in Joshua about yeah. it's still there to this day. Right. This one would seem to indicate as I think you were saying an perhaps an earlier date for at least this part of Joshua because yeah. if if Rahab is literally still alive yeah. then that's got to be within a certain timeline, right? You'd I mean think so, so yeah. so a pretty early writing but and so that's good, but I th I think I mean, and I don't want to go too far, or maybe we can. <laughs> 
But I mean, I'm thinking about how, say, you know, Jesus, when he's questioned about the resurrection of the dead by the Sadducees, yeah. he uses that verse from Exodus three that where the Lord from the burning bush says, I am right. the God of Moses or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. So like she's lived in Israel to this day. I, I kind of want to make this about the resurrection and eternal life. So, to, I mean, I don't know if that's too much though. So the last time that I was on your show, I think we, yeah, even we talked, talked about, about that, this, yeah. that concept of uh, being gathered to his people or being gathered to his fathers. Right. And that's, that's a way that we, uh, as Christians, we can talk about death um, is to say that they were gathered to their people. They were gathered to God's people, not just the people that you know had the same last name as them, but the people that were a part of God's people. And I, I think that you can read that into this um, so that, Regardless of when Joshua is written, you know, we don't know how old Rahab is when she's taken out. We don't know how, you know, how much later Joshua is writing all of these things down. Um, But it's plain to see that she is a part of the people of God all the way until, you know, the author to the letter to the Hebrews is writing and says, yes, she's she's her face is right there in that cloud of faithful witnesses that surrounds us and encourages us and uh, and tells us keep going, keep marching. Right. Uh, Because check it out. You know, she is one of the by faiths. She's one of those people who has it. She's got faith in who God is, and ultimately it's going to be in who Jesus is, uh, which is, of course, where we always go with this, um, is to say that um, everything in the Old Testament, every page, every uh, every verse is going to point to the fact that Jesus is coming uh, to be the new and the greater Joshua, right? So we got to finish out the text, don't we? Yeah, finish out the text. Yes, yes. So she's lived in Israel to this day. Uh, God be praised for that. Uh, but then Joshua lays out an oath. He, uh, he asks God, uh, this is one of those times when he, um, uh, we can say he curses, right? He damns, right? Uh, whoever decides to rise up and rebuild Jericho. And I don't know that he's necessarily just talking about uh, the fact that the, uh, the city of Jericho would be rebuilt, but he's talking about the, idol- the idolatry, the adultery, the, um, the faithlessness that was Jericho. If you try to build up a city on this kind of faithfulness, a faithlessness, uh, or a society for that matter, I mean, there is cursing for you. That is when God will return with his alien work um, of meeting out that judgment. Uh, and then he has this little you know, poetic turn of phrase here at the cost of his firstborn and of his youngest. He's going to lay its foundation and set up its gates. Uh, but so this is a, a word that Joshua sort of um, almost kind of, you get the the image that's in my mind is like, you know, when somebody's done with something, like he's gonna he's gonna spit on it as he's walking away, just like add insult to injury, like let everybody know who reads this book, who hears about the uh, the conquest of Israel and Canaan, um, that whoever decides and desires to go back to that, they're in for God's judgment. And then that last verse, this is key to the text. So Yahweh was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. God is with him. Okay, that was what made Moses special. That's all the way back to the burning bush. One more time. That's what God promised to uh, to Moses: "I will be with you." And Pharaoh, he ain't gonna be able to do a thing to stop you. And and everything else, God is with Moses. And again, I think last time I was on, you kept taking us to Matthew, right? That's where Matthew takes us. God who is with us. That's why they call his name Emmanuel, and that's the promise that Jesus leaves us with when he ascends into heaven is, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so for the people of Israel uh, invading the promised land, uh, for you and for me, dear Christian sister and brother, uh, for us, God is with us by his promise, um, and we look forward, we receive uh, that proper work of him having mercy upon us always. 
Pastor Dustin Beck is pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas, helping us today with Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 to 27. Pastor Beck, thanks for being our guest today. My great pleasure, Pastor Apple. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about the book of Joshua, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. We always love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.